All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire football podcast. MWR.com is our website. And it's still cold around the country, Matt, but it's uh, spring football is slowly coming. Air Force is it's, underway. It's warming up here. Hope uh, hope spring's eternal at this time of the year. Do you know what the groundhog was? I don't remember. Do you even pay attention to that? I don't think it really matters anymore. <laughs> my kids asked me because one day, I think it was on the weekend, because I remember in school, like, oh, my kids like, hey, let's go check out the shadow from, what's his name, um, Phil. What's the city they do it? Punxsutawney Phil? Punxsutawney Phil, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> It's uh, I don't know what happened, but it's weird. But also, did you see the uh, the Bill Murray commercial for Super Bowl? That was interesting. That was about the most noteworthy thing about Groundhog's Day this year. Exactly. <laughs> There's that. So Okay, but it is warming up around the places. So here's what we're doing today. We're going to kind of do a spring preview of sorts with Air Force, San Jose State, and San Diego State. So we figured we'll take a show a week because those, I believe, if I'm correct, those are the next three teams online after Air Force, or I guess Air Force underway. The other two, we'll just kind of do uh, things to watch. We have one of our buddy, our guy Sean, put some up about five storylines or five things to watch for 2020. So check that out. But we're kind of just kind of slowly building the football because it never ends, Matt. It's always here, always. That's true. There is no off season. Never. All right. So let's start with Air Force, not the football, coaching position, coaching jobs. Um, Colorado got pretty desperate, didn't they? Yeah, um, for those of you who are listening, we're recording on February 23rd, which is when they announced that they hired Carl Dorrell. And if that name sounds familiar, it's probably because you remember him from having you know, some some okay seasons, pretty solid seasons at UCLA. Well, excuse me, one solid season at UCLA with not his own players also. To be fair, <laughs> um, the Bruins haven't really been that good since he left. There's that too. So, you know. And just reading the replies from the tweet from the Colorado football Twitter account, <laughs> people seem mostly receptive to it. So I guess more more power to the buffs. Why, though? Was He was also at New Mexico State for a couple years as well, wasn't he? I do not know that off the top I, of my head. I need to check. I forget who's New Mexico State guy. But, uh, but like, it's like a meh, like the hire went crazy. Like, well, this will tie into Air Force in a minute. But Steve Sarkeesian was interested in the job. Alabama upped him at for for was the OC there? They're looking yep. at the KC offensive coordinator Bellamy. They're looking at Troy Calhoun. They're looking at who is the other coach? There's one other guy. Cat was it somebody from Brett Ka- Bielema? Oh oh jeez, Brett Bielema, who's with the uh, Patriots or Giants? I want to say NFL. He's with the New York Giants. Yeah, New York Giants. So this <laughs> the reason it's interesting because I, first off, Carl Durrell, would you want him as your head coach anywhere? He would not have been the first choice that I would have thought of, you know, but he is a guy who's familiar with the program. He was an assistant there before during arguably their most successful stretch ever. Just about, yeah. Uh, You know, in the, in the early to mid nineties. So, you know, I think for that particular program, that particular niche, you could do a lot worse. I'm thinking somebody else. He was not the New Mexico state head coach. I don't recall if that was, but he's only, okay. I apologize for that thing of something else, but he was just, he's been NFL for a while, so it's a fine job. The reason we're bringing this up because this is the second time Troy Calhoun um, was mentioned or involved in the Air Force job. So I'm asking, it's like what changed? Because there are some reports out there that are saying it was his job if he wanted it, mm-hmm. and then they go completely different direction after Sark said no. What do you think happened with that? Like, why did Calhoun and everybody else kind of get pushed to the side for this guy? I think Troy Calhoun is just kind of an enigma. <laughs> Which you know, I think that you explained at length in your article, in the in the aftermath of Troy Calhoun kind of, if not necessarily falling out of favor for the job, not, you know, kind of fading as a leading candidate, and and the conversation that he had with local media in the aftermath of that was uh, very Troy Calhoun esque. Do you think we'll get to the comments in a second? Do you think he knew he's out of the running when that came up? Um, he sounds like a bitter guy a little bit, those comments he made. Based on what I know of Troy Calhoun, I don't know if it would have made a difference to him one way or the other. I kind of feel like he is a one-speed kind of kind of guy. True. And so I, I think in that case, that question is kind of irrelevant because I think he would have been taciturn either way. It, it's also, to be fair, it's a hard spot to be put into as well, right? He's yeah. in spring practice started. He's a head coach at Air Force, coming off their most successful season in a very long time. There's expectations is next year with as we'll get to with Donald Hammond back and a few other guys and whatever. He always does a good job there. But the way he answers questions, it's like 
there could have there could have been a couple ways he could have put it properly. Like if he's asked about his dubs, like he could have been like, had he been like kind of old jokey guys. Oh, we're not gonna talk about this type of stuff. Let's just talk about our football team in a way where it's a without getting overly serious, going a hundred miles an hour. He could have been mm-hmm. guys we're here talking about football and nice about it because the question he knew. It's like in the the debate with Mike Bloomberg. If you ever watched that, he was he knew for weeks and months what was going to come, and he fell flat in his face yeah. miserably. This is almost the exact same comparison. If you happen to watch that Friday night where he got torched by everybody, you know what you know what Troy Calhoun is like. What is he like? He's kind of like a hundred and fifty percent of Brian Harson. <laughs> oh, geez, that's not good. You know, we had this conversation about the what was it the twentieths like last year and the bowl game like that and the bowl game thing too about the quarterback and playing. Jalen, you know what I mean, with uh, Hank Bachmeyer, whatever, should you play them or not, all that type of stuff. Like, they just, you know, they're, it's not to say, like, tight-fisted, but they keep things very close to the vest, and that comes across as being abrasive. But I think that it's not, I don't think it's a personal kind of thing. Like, I don't think it's meant for anybody to take personal. I think that, you know, they want to have a certain degree of control that leads to interactions that often feel very stilted. And I think we just happen to see that more often than any, with Calhoun than with anybody else. Sure. Well, okay. Here's what he exactly said. Like the first question, can you confirm that you've interviewed for Colorado? His first question was fine. He's like, guys, our practice say we're going to get to the air force. Uh, we're going to, going to get to the air force Falcons better. Just kind of trying to change the subject. That first question, fine. Not a big deal, but it's going to fall up again. Was there a truth that you, what you saw in the media, which, First off, that question mm, could reward it a bit better from whoever from the Gazette was out there. Because that gives him a chance to say, well, I don't look at the media ever, which is what he said. He's like, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the media, not regrettably, maybe regrettably, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen a thing. We've done nothing but me. We've done nothing but practice. And so, but here's where it gets interesting. Like, that question could have been worded better. This is where I would have flipped the questions. He goes, did you not talk, well, about talking to your staff about what happened yesterday? Which he should have said. About interviewing for the Colorado job for reports out there. He's like, that what? And he goes off and just says, talks in circles around himself, like denying he never does a thing or says and does anything about the job. He's like, write what you want. If that's your source, I wouldn't just say a source. If that's really what you, what the truth is, we told our staff, there's freedom to write whatever we want. Which, if you go that route, well, I'll write whatever I want about you, coach, if you don't care, right? <laughs> it's really just when coach speak goes wrong. This went miserably wrong. Like, he could have done this or said, I'm not going to talk about it. We're moving on right now. Instead, he goes on and answers along with a question that's a non-answer as well. Yeah, it's like, what do you? What, if you give him advice, Matt, what would you have told Coach to do? You know, <laughs> honestly, I probably would have done the Bill Belichick thing, like move on, like like we're on to the next day of practice. Yeah, that's what he could have done, and that's what he did for the first answer. And any good reporter is going to follow up again with it, but then Troy Calhoun just trips over himself mm. and looks like he's a big jerk, which it probably was. And I do like how, I didn't put it in here, I linked to it. I do like how they went to a football question. It's like, oh, that's a great question. Question right after that, back to the coaching thing in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great move. I love that. But it's like, he, it's hard to come off looking good in this. But he could have said, yeah, I've talked to Colorado job. And he could have, what he could have done, because this would have been brilliant for him to do. Because, hey, I've talked to them before in the past. I've turned them down before. I could He could have said he turned out Tennessee in the past, because that's true as well. I've turned out the Denver Broncos in the past. I'm always up. For and he could have gone. He could have propped up Air Force we, when we're good, and we're at this level. We'll, and for me, having NFL experience, I'll get mentioned with other jobs out there. If my name's mentioned in Colorado, it's mentioned in Colorado. He could have said it's mentioned without saying he actually did it. And he could have been like, "Oh, that goes with the territory of being a good program. You're gonna get mentioned at job A, B, or C." Mm-hmm. That would have been a much better way to answer it. And he could have finished it. He's like, "Well, last time, you know, I turned down the buff, so we're here this time. We did good." People talk about me. We're flattered. Make good for program. It's great to hear your name out there, but we're proct- we're focused on Air Force Spring. Like yeah. that could have been the. I just thought about moments ago. That should have been the best answer. What he should have come up with, because he has turned out a numerous numerous jobs in the past. I mean, what's really interesting though is that nobody seemed phased by this whole thing, like within the program. True. Yeah, yeah, like which, oh, which I think is kind of yeah. interesting. Like you, you tend to see a lot of uh, like ruffled feathers or something like that, and I didn't, it didn't really get that impression from anybody involved in the program or, or outside of the program that he was doing something like this, which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, there are people outside the program. A lot of people were going, "What's going on? What's he saying? What's he doing?" Yeah, but within, I get that. But also, the one person who would have spilled the beans or said something was OC Mike Theason, right? Is that his last name? Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to talk about that. And he, and there weren't quotes in there what he said, but like we're talking about football. 
So like he would have made, I think he would have made possibly mentioned something out there, but everybody else is like, we're focused on football, which is fine. But Calhoun just going ultimate coach speak and say more than five words. He said 25 words when four were necessary. Yeah. It's like in the oceans 11 thing with Matt Damon. He's like, when, uh, who is George Clooney tells him the same thing, like say, be funny, but not memorable. Use fewer words with more. You know what I mean? Do use four words instead of 20 or something. Like yeah. just be forgettable or something. It's like, come on coach. You could go watch that movie and take a line from that at the end of the show. Come on. <laughs> so, but I think Air Force. Uh, also, I'm wondering really quick. Do you think Colorado would have been? Uh, I'm wondering why they didn't hire. Part of the reason I think they wouldn't have hired him or weren't. I don't know how fans would have taken it, but he's been in the NFL. Would he have taken the triple option to Colorado? I don't know. That's one thing too. That's always concerning. Like when uh, Kenny Montaolu was up for the Arizona or BYU job. Like, are you bringing the triple option coach? What are you doing? I mean, people always have that conversation. I don't see why it would be a deal breaker. People don't like that type of football. Well, you know, you know what that type of football did at Georgia Tech? It when? created a lot. Of, it created a lot of headaches. It won an ACC title. It, it, you know, did this, that, and the other thing. They were very rarely bad until mm. like the last year or so. So I don't know why that would necessarily be a big deal. Like if you're looking to try and in do something different, like you're you're never at a place like Colorado ever going to be able to compete with like you know, the USC's and the Washington's in terms of like, excuse recruiting. me, you're talking former 1990 national champions, Matt fifth down included. No, <laughs> whatever. Uh, excuse I your... <laughs> me. But, you 35 know, years but, ago, whatever it was, 20, but, so long time ago. Looking to try to build an advantage at a program that, you know, how, how many games have they won in the last three or four years? They did win 10, two years ago, but that was like the first time in like a decade, at least they've won 10 plus games. They got smothered. They've been, they've been mostly trash for like yes. the last three years. Let's put it that the way. Mel Tucker won five games before he bolted for East Lansing. Yeah. This is not necessarily a top tier job. If you're looking to try and do something different, to try to break through that, you know, what, eight, nine win ceiling, why not try the triple option? It's probably, honestly... The 11th or 12th job in the Pac-12. Maybe 10th, depending what... Like, Wazoo, Oregon State, and Colorado are the bottom three jobs in the conference. Like, they're lucky to be there. Let's be real. Oh, they are lucky to be there. They left the Big 12. Like, hey, Pac-12, you got us? Okay, we're good. Um, yeah. But this means Air Force sticks with the coach. And had Calhoun gone, they would have been fine because they would have promoted the OC anyways, and he would have been head coach. That would have been the most natural thing to do. Yeah, and I think so. so. And I don't think it would have made too much, unless they're going to pay more money to get Ken Nimaltoil to come in town. Like, why do that? Marty Navy doing well. Mm. Who knows? But so as for Air Force football, that's what we're getting to. We're going to talk about the uh, three teams for spring. So, Matt, what's the kind of stuff you've seen so far for Air Force Falcons? Kind of, I guess we're not spring preview. I guess we're in spring, like stuff we want to see happen. Well, I guess the one thing that has happened so far that I'm interested to see how it progresses is even though they didn't lose Calhoun, they've had some shuffling elsewhere on the defensive side of the ball, in particular on the just, coaching staff. Just recently, right? Yeah, their inside linebackers coach, whose name escapes me at the moment, retired. Um, and I think there's someone else just recently left for another job. I want to say at Purdue, but don't hold me to that. But at least in the interim, it hasn't had that big of an effect because in Brent Brigham's most recent update from their spring practice... They had a scrimmage, and the early indications were that the defense came out ahead. And, you know, granted, there's a lot of new names, I think, on both sides of the ball that are going to be competing throughout the spring and probably into the fall for, you know, one niche or another. So Mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt. But I'm very interested to see how the defensive side of the ball comes together because of and I think I've mentioned this on previous offseason podcasts because of the fact that they have so much production to replace on that side of the ball. Well, just mentioned, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to see how those new bases develop. Yeah, just because we looked at the returning production, and there's not extremely nowhere in the Mountain West is extremely good. Yeah, just not good. I mean, the <clears throat> the amount coming back is not going to be there. Yeah, just I mean, of just graduation, looking at the transfer stuff like that. Yeah, I don't remember if we mentioned it specifically, so I'm just going to mention it again on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Bill Connolly over at ESPN uh, noted that they only have the Falcons 38% of their production coming back from last year, which is 122nd nationally. Yeah, so not good. there's a lot of new faces that are going to be uh, in a position to step up. Well, and it's from a defense that's traditionally not great in the Mountain West. It's Just, very up and down. Yeah, it's not consistent. Like last year, they were like, like we got, I'm going by yards per play basis, they were fourth. 
They were second yeah. in yards per game. But like yards per play is a better measure. But they're fourth in 19, seventh in the year before. They were, what were they, middle of 12th in 2017. So they are all over the place. They were fifth in 2016. So it's if you look at a chart like Bill Connolly is also doing like his daily countdown on Twitter for SP, SP+, you'll see probably when you look at the defensive portion, it'll be just up like a I mean, up, down, up, down, up, down throughout the past yeah, yeah. decade. Just because it's hard. They'll have Obviously, they'll have good players on the team, typically, but it's just it's hard. I don't know what it is, why it can't be consistent. And needing to replace as much as like they lose 60% of the production, 65% of the production. Do lose mm-hmm. guys to transfer? It's like, what are they going to do to keep it on the level where it's going to be anywhere close to last year? Like, ideally, if you're Air Force, the offense is typically going to be fine for the most part because what it runs, like you mentioned before, the advantage is running the triple option or run option tech has. It's hard to prepare for. It's different. It's almost a plug and play, almost. If you have really good athletes, it's much better than that. But if their defense could be, what, fifth or sixth at worst for a yards per play basis, that'll be great for them to be in contention to win the conference, like be a top two or three team overall, because the offense almost always is going to be one of the best in the conference. And so if the defense can be average, they're going to compete for titles and win at least nine games every year. Yeah, and I mean... I think I've mentioned this before on the offensive side of the ball where, you know, they had at least, you know, by offensive SP plus, I think I mentioned, it's going to be very difficult to turn that trick two seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, just being that good, that efficient. And I think that most of that applies on the defensive side of the ball too, especially where they were strongest. You know, you mentioned just in terms of yards per play that they were fourth, you know, if you, and, and I'm sure I'll mention this again down the line, but in terms of, uh, you know, defending the run versus defending the pass. You know, they were much better at the former than they were at the latter. You know, they were they were ninth in in yards per attempt allowed. They were ninth in uh, opponents' passer rating, mm-hmm. but they were fourth as far as yards per play allowed on the ground. So, you know, you're looking at a unit that, in a lot of respects, is kind of starting over. You know, I think uh, Brigman pointed out that Milton Bug is the only returning starter. Um, coming back and it's not to say that they don't have guys that didn't see playing time last year like Elisha Palm and, and James Jones the fourth and everything but you know I'm interested to see you know again it's just about the new faces on that side of the ball because you know for as rough as it was last year replacing a guy like Jose Fabita is going to be extremely difficult you know they don't I don't think have another 300 pound guy on the roster which again, they they have yeah, hard pieces to. in place that could step up. You know, the, you know, uh, our guy Sean mentioned both Colby Barker and Joy Woodring, who were listed behind him on the depth chart uh, before the bowl game last year. Those guys are going to be seniors; they've been around. But you know, can they provide that same kind of physical presence up front? You know, can you know Price or not, excuse me, can uh, Grant Donaldson? You know, kind of catapult from his cheesable performance into a you know. A, more prominent role, stuff like that, you know? No, no, I get it too, yeah. So what is um we'll get some stuff here. We get our, I'm trying to look up our buddy Sean who put up his uh, things to watch for. What is something like you want to look for? Like we mentioned the past quarterback depth, but the running well actually let me back up one thing. The running thing, I think it could be achievable because you see who's coming back, like Caden Remsburg, whose carries were very limited. He had a thousand yards on only 180 carries last year. Mm-hmm. He is really and the bowl game looks really good. If he gets two hundred carries, like he I believe he's still him and Taven Berto had the most carries on the team, which it is shocking to see that Remsburg had that many carries when he was, I don't know. It just seems kind of odd the way they do it. He was their best rusher, but imagine if he gets another 30 to 40 carries, like he could get 1500 yards possibly. I think the running game is going to be fine, especially with Donald Hammond. But as we get to it, quarterback, how many years has it been since they've had a quarterback play all 12 games uninterrupted from injury? Not really many. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their biggest concern. Is that I think that if I start at top one, offense will be fine. But if there's a, especially with um, Isaiah Sanders transferring, the backup quarterback position is probably almost as valuable as finding out who's going to step up on defense. Well, I mean, to I mean, I think more important than that is who's going to step up a wide receiver because they're literally replacing all of their talent. And I think I mentioned mm-hmm. this maybe a week or two ago. Gerald Sanders, Saunders. Yeah, Gerard Sanders and Benjamin Waters, who averaged 30 yards a catch. I think it's going to be really difficult to find another guy to do that. 
Um, but it's not to say that they don't have options. Uh, what I'm most interested in is, you know, the guys that we talked about in the last year's preview podcast or, or thereabouts, you know, guys like David Cormier and Brandon Lewis, who we expected well, they're to both play suspended, bigger roles suspended and, last year for and me, so. didn't. You know, they're back in the fold. You know, they're out there in spring practice. So are they going to be able to kind of make good this time around? So I think if they can do that, you know, we know the running game is going to be pretty mm-hmm. good. But it's really how good the passing game is that puts this offense over the top. Yeah, I guess I'm reading our piece. I'm, we'll maybe look into this as spring goes along. But Cormier and Lewis are still not technically back on the team completely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they come back, receivers could be mostly fine. If not, eighty say 85% to last year's production, which would be good enough, I think. But if they're out, that might be... I don't think it'll hurt them. But what it does is makes them more one-dumbensional. Because yeah. if you can't pass downfield, even like we say, what do they pass six to ten times a game, maybe fewer or less than that. So if they don't have that, where they're Donald Hamney goes to say three of five for a hundred yards, it may be one of five for thirty-two yards, which isn't what you want. Yeah. They want to have <laughs> at least a couple. Of, like if either it doesn't matter how many times you throw, you want to be worthwhile. And oh, so yeah. if it if those goes if those guys aren't back or if nobody takes over and steps up. The offense will still be okay. It just won't be. There could be. It could be, seriously be the difference between, say, a 10 win team like last year to maybe seven or eight wins. Yeah. Because when it's third and 12 or even third and six, and you and you know the passing game's not good, defenses will just bring everybody up there and attack you and just do a run blitz on third and medium range and get in. So that's, that's a pretty big issue as well. Um, i trying to think what else we should look at. Um, special teams weren't great. I guess that's an issue, right? Just because you want to be able to make those field goals, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kick the punny button very well. Um, I don't know. I, I think overall, while they while they have the production lacking, my main thing I mentioned QB, but it's got to be defense. That's my main thing. If they're going to be during spring football, and they'll find some guys to play defense, and assuming the defense really is ahead of the offense, which whatever those reports in spring, I'm like cool, whatever, that's fine. But I don't know if I how much I really trust those. Well, I mean, you mentioned. You mentioned special teams very, very quickly. I did because special teams. Um, is, yeah, <laughs> I think that that. I mean, I think that that's going to be important to see how that resolves itself. Because you know, Jake Kenke. Let's not forget he was perfect last year. He was on field goal attempts. He's he's graduated. Um, Charlie Scott, I believe, was, last I checked, is in the transfer portal. Um, so they're having to replace both their kicker and their punter. And they don't have a 2020 roster up just yet, but the only other guy mentioned as a specialist on the 2019 roster, uh, uh, Tevye Shewitt Pell's role. Well, that was a sophomore last year. Bryce Honecker, be junior. Okay, and then looking at something. Oh, I'm looking at our buddy Sean. I assume he assume he's correct on this. Also, they picked. Yeah, I would assume he is. They picked up the 11th rated kicking kicking prospect in the country. So. That also, never hurts. No, it doesn't. So they have some experience with Hon- with Honaker coming back, and then kicking is always weird. You never know. So we'll see. But that was an underrated part of their success last year, sure, and make- so kind of you know getting off on the right foot, pun intended, Boy, um, go. is going to be important for them to kind of hold on to those gains that they made, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So before we re- move on really quick, if they come, and we're not doing predictions, but we sort of are here. If they come within two thirds of what of or production being gone, replacement, say they meet our expectations of where we think they would be from the issues or concerns we have, where do you think this team will finish? Is this team still going to possibly be in the mix for a division title if things go slightly above average and what, what we think they should be? From like I mean, I think you could probably put them in that kind of second tier where maybe they aren't necessarily a front runner like a Boise State or a San Diego State. But if they are if they are if they can stave off regression, at least to some degree, because it's gonna happen, it's just a matter of how much. Sure. No, that makes sense. I think they'll be in the same neighborhood as last year, but they may not get the ten wins. Yeah, I mean, they could definitely be another bowl-eligible team. Oh, easily. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Yeah. So, All right, so let's go to – should we go to San Diego State, next team up? Let's do it. Um, all right, so who's quarterback, Matt? Tell me. Who do we got? Question mark. <laughs> Jack Sears, is, has he committed anywhere else, or is he still – I have not seen anything on that front since he backed away from San Diego State. So 
Jack Sears was a QB. We talked about this before. He was a QB committed grad train or no, just whatever. Was he a grad transfer, right? Uh, no. He oh, he, he was going to be a transfer coming to town. Oh, well, yeah, he was. Excuse okay. Me. Oh, he, oh, yeah, because we thought he'd be started. Never mind. So everybody thought, oh, he's coming to San Diego State. Is at USC? That'll be pretty good. However, there's been nothing really. Um... Oh, wait. Oh, actually, there's an update right now here. Hold on. From six hours ago. Let's see here. Jack Sears, QB, just graduated USC, is looking to transfer with immediate eligibility. Would be a perfect world to would to be would be a perfect world for an elite player caller like Mike Norvell over at Memphis. Is that where Memphis is at, right? Mike Norvell? Oh, Florida State. Mike, Mike Norvell. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Seminoles now. Sorry, uh, this is somebody just speculating. Never mind. I, I put his name into Twitter and see what comes up. I'm like, hey, this is six hours ago. We'll see. So if he's not around, because it's not, he didn't close his recruitment to the San Diego State. He's just like, let's look around with Brady Hoke and head coaching job. So, I, for Aztecs, they have a lot of questions for me. Quarterback, obviously, number one. I never really want to see a running back, but the way it went last year with Juwan Washington being hurt, I, there's some slight concern with me there because when guys stepped up to play, they were okay. But I'm wondering if it was more of them getting Washington those carries had some, some other play in the roster earned those, it would have been more of a what we used to thinking. So, I'm... Um, I think that's going to be their biggest improvement next year. Will be your running game back to what it was like, Don, close to like Donald Pumphrey days, those mm-hmm. type of guys in John Washington pre senior year. Because if they have the one guy and they're not worried about easing easing Washington back in or any guy who's been hurt, I think that's going to be an area where they're back to what we normally see. And then the quarterback play can be eased in instead of maybe wanting to rely on a guy to pass, which is still not their game. Well, I mean, and some of it might be too just the the awkwardness of a new offense. Sure, there's that last year as well. And yeah, because they didn't actually throw the ball that much more than they had in 2018. Like in in, the, in 2018, the Aztecs basically threw it 40 percent of the time. Last year it was only 44 percent of the time. So they were still a very run heavy team. But but you're right. I mean, it was kind of surprising with the amount of veteran talent that they had on the offensive line that they were just never really able to get it going. And, you know, Washington not being 100% pretty much all year long didn't help. But I think if you're looking for places to start kind of figuring out where the team can improve, I look at that offensive line as being kind of the first place. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they've got at least three guys coming back who have been, you know, one, two year starters. You know, they have William Dunkel and Zachary Thomas on the right side. They've got Kyle Spaulding still on the left side, but, you know, replacing the guys on the interior, Deshaun Dixon and Keith Ismail are, you know, might be tougher than it would appear at first glance, even despite the issues that they had running the football last year, because it's not like they hadn't been a very, very good run blocking unit in the past. And they did a lot to keep Ryan Agnew upright. They Mm -hmm. made the passing game more successful than I think a lot of people thought it would be, but I'm very interested to see how that comes together. You know? So, I mean, obviously the, the quarterback question is going to get the majority of the attention, but I think what they do to replace Dixon and Ismail is going to be equally important, if not more so. Yeah, Ismail is going to be NFL player next year, and da- and sure. Dixon probably could be too. Yeah. yeah, at least draft. I think Ismail will go higher because he's at the combine oh. and all that. But quarterback position, like Brady Hoke spoke the other recently, because they start spring more second, which is what week and a half away. There's four quarterbacks in the mix. He's he's like he basically says Sears is gone. It's like unless there's a way to get him in class quickly for spring, it seems like that's a long shot because if he's does end up coming back. Are you really going to start a guy who comes in for summer only? You know what I mean? They come mm-hmm. in fall. It's like it's a stretch. But here's what they have really quickly. They have juniors. They have Jordan Brookshire, Mark Salazar, Carson Baker, retro freshman Joe Green. No clue who it'll be it. Hoke did briefly mention a fifth QB during the summer, which they didn't sign anybody. So I don't know if they're just look just scouring the portal, going slight, you want to swipe left, left or right, and the guy, oh, we'll, we'll talk to you yeah, and come be a quarterback. According to Kirk Kenny at the Union Tribune, they do have a scholarship open for quarterback. Yeah, so who knows what that will be, whether it's a Juco transfer or a portal guy transfer, but that's like quarterback's a sexy position, so it's like, oh, what's the quarterback? But I think you're right. I'm wondering, too, here's what I'm wondering, because remember, Bo- Hoke has been around before with this Aztec team did well. Mm-hmm. And he did run more of a spread attack. That was his downfall at Michigan, essentially, because he tried to run it day one and didn't ease its way in there. So what? Because he played defensive, he's defensive line coach last year. So there's that to consider as well. Defense, I think, will be fine with the guys 
they have coming back, even the guys they're losing. But we don't know what offense to get run. Like you mentioned, they slowly emerged from two years ago under center, heavy running back. They had the full back. They moved to shotgun, but still run heavy, two backs, two receivers, and maybe tight end or three wideouts. Or just kind of removing the tight end, or not tight end, but the full back. Are they going to keep that? Are they going to change it again? So that's also the thing as well, one of the, probably the bigger thing than quarterback and what the running game is going to be. It's like what offense they're going to run. How much is Hope going to learn his lesson going to Michigan where maybe I should, if I have my my own scheme or the OC, what they want to run, are we going to mix and match? Are we going to force it completely? Are we going to do a slow transition to mix in what we have now and while we bring in the talent we want for my new offense? Those are probably the biggest things I want to see. Quarterback's a big deal, like, yes. Getting the running game back to not having your leading rusher with only 500 yards is a big deal. So those are probably the biggest things I'm looking at, like what's Hope going to do for the offense? Okay, so I just looked it up. So in 2009, which I believe was Brady Hoke's first year, if I'm not mistaken, the Aztecs threw it 60% of the time. Hmm. In, well, in wait, wait, wait. Did he have Ryan Lindley as well as quarterback? I believe, yeah. Okay, believe so, so. That, that's, a, that's a thing to consider as well for context there. And in 2010, I'm trying to scroll down. In 2010, they threw it 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is, you know, I don't – think they're going to jump from 45 percent to 60 overnight you'd be a fool i mean i would be very surprised if they did yeah that's why um, i said you'd be a fool <laughs> yeah especially since you know they do have a lot of talent returning in that backfield mm-hmm. um so i guess my question is if they do take another step towards being maybe a more balanced 50 50 kind of offense how close to 50 50 are they going to get i think is kind of the lingering question so you there are 40 percent last year you said they were forty four percent last year. If we go off history, it's two things with Lindley, who's actually through San Diego State through twenty eleven. But at twenty, you said twenty ten years when he threw a lot, or twenty nineteen nineteen. They're both almost oh, the same. Was I a year early? Well, I'm looking right here. He, he here's with Lindley. There, I'm not sure with Hoke. I just pulled his wiki, but Lindley attempted four hundred twenty one passes minimum, max four forty seven. So it's between four twenty mm. and four fifty passing. So that's a lot. And he 90, 90 career touchdowns with the Aztecs during four years. So that crossover. Okay, the yeah, in the, in the two years, 2009-2010, I had that right. So okay. 60% the first year, then basically 50% in year two. Mm-hmm. I would I would say be maybe slight uptick next year, not a lot. Like if you're going from, what did you say again, 46% was last year? So it was 40% yeah. in 2018, okay. essentially, 44 last year. I could see 46%. What's that, a dozen, pa- like a pass a game more? See, I mean, I think it'll all depend on <laughs> it'll all depend on how things come together in spring ball. Honestly, yeah, that's why we're speculating here because because we have no idea how the quarterback situation is going to shake out. It took them; it seemed like it took a long time for it to shake out in fall camp last year. So, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in team previews and in, in weeks to come. It, it does help that they've got basically every single pass catcher of note coming back. Mm-hmm. But again, if if we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like sooner rather than later, it's kind of anybody's guess because they may want to protect who ends up under center. They may yeah. want to lean on those on that talent in the backfield that's still oh. there. Yeah, you mentioned the, the lineman coming back, Chance Bell, Chase Jasmine. Is Jordan Bird back as well? Yes, he is. So yeah, they got all those guys back there. So it's like the running game. Like that's the point. Like maybe may, okay, maybe I am wrong. I don't know. It's kind of a hard thing to figure out. Okay, they got the pass catchers back. They have three great running backs back, but a new quarterback. Odds are you want to rely on the running game for at least a little bit to figure things out and not go out throw thirty seven times because they got they open with Sac State. Then they go like their non conference schedule. The first three games aren't very difficult. Sac State at home should be fine. At Toledo, Toledo's not as good as they used to be. At least from thinking about the had a down year last year. Yeah, yeah. UCLA at home. Who knows? Chip Kelly year three. They're all over the place. So that's a game where. Who knows what could happen? You know, it's, okay, let's put it this way. They're not a juggernaut in the Pac-12 South. Mm-hmm. Very winnable games and at home. And so they have options in the first month to figure things out. So I, what about the defense? Like, what are, What's lost over there? I mean, they are losing a couple pieces in the secondary. Obviously, Luke Barku is probably the biggest loss at cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> um, other than that, oh, and of course, Kayeva Tizino in the middle. So I think if there is any big question to be answered, that's probably it. 
So defense should be pretty good. That's normal. It should be pretty good. I mean, they're also losing uh, Miles Cheatham on the defensive line, yeah. which, which considering how awesome that defensive line was last year, I think whoever ends up in that spot, whether it's a guy like Connor Mitchell or Jalilecki, uh, whomever ends up on that defensive end spot is going to have very big shoes to fill. So I think so. So you're saying defense will probably still be one of the best in the conference. I mean, they're replacing a lot of big pieces, but not many, you know, right? Not very many. And and this is the kind of unit where even with a, a coaching change, you kind of feel compelled to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're going to figure it out. Okay, I hate to put it in the spot because I haven't looked up this as well. How many defensive coaches hung around? Uh. You know what? I don't have the coaching staff in front of me, That's so okay. I cannot tell you. No that. problem. And well, I know you got Brady Hoke, defense line coaches there. I was trying to think off the top of my head because Rocky Long's now out in New Mexico. Well, okay, so they replaced the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Zach Arnett's gone to what is it, Mississippi State? After a brief stop at Syracuse. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> Kurt Maddox is in. Um, yeah. I, you know what? Without having both lists in front of me, I have the 2020 list in front of me. I do not have the 2019. That's okay. List, no so problem. Sure. I just curious. That's why I was like, oh, let me qualify this just in case. But overall, like this team, are they like look really quick? Look in the West. Like look, all the coaches are gone. Is it San Jose State and Nevada kept their coaches? Like who's going to be better? Like maybe Nevada will be better next year. But like Aztecs have to be like the clear favorite, right? They're yeah, they're definitely in the mix. Eve, not oh, not clear favorite, but in the mix for the West. Well, like division. I said, like I said, I you know I <laughs> think it's is it fair to say that. A, on February 23rd that you still have the same reservations that you might have had in August of last year. Yeah, but what I'm with, getting where at, the offense with where the offense could hamstring an awesome defense. True. It didn't it didn't quite work out all the way, but I think that, you know, until they figure out the quarterback situation, until they, you know, find pieces to fill on the offensive line and stuff like that, I think it's fair to have at least a little reservation. I'd say a tiny bit, but I'd still put them at the top. Like Hawaii, Cole McDonald's NFL draft, Rolovich is gone. They lose their top receivers. San Jose State, bring, those we'll get to in a second. A lot of talent coming back. Lose Josh Love. Fresno State's new new quarterback, uh, new running back as well, correct? I think. Uh, wait, who are you talking about? Fresno, new running backs as well. No, they correct? still got running rivers. Okay, running rivers is back. But new coaching staff, new quarterback. Maybe Fresno's closer with, with – um, the former OC there, it's like Nevada might be touched better, but I can see your point. I'd still put San Diego State number one. I'd be confident saying that, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say maybe I should rephrase and say they're not the runaway favorite, but I'd say they're the number one team out west. No, I get what you're saying. Okay, all right, on to the Spartans. So Spartans, um, this is where we can talk about your transfer quarterback piece, Matt, because Spartans bring in a guy who is uh, very familiar with Arkansas with uh, San Jose State football, former Arkansas quarterback. Who decided to uh, let's head west? If you can't beat him, join him, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> I guess. Um, so we had a question on this. I believe we have it solved. San Jose State brings back. Well, first off, do you have their? I wish I had the tweet in front of me or the article. What's their production coming back on offense? Okay, so did you have me, that in front of you? I do. I just gotta pull it up real quick. Um, so. Interestingly, the Spartans, and I don't think we mentioned this when we talked about it originally. The Spartans are bringing back only 49% of the production on offense, which is 102nd nationally. They're bringing back more on defense than they are on offense. Okay, well, most of that's Josh Love being gone, who had a ton of production for him. Yeah, because when you look at the returning production breakdown, um, and maybe this can we can tie this into the, the only question that we got from our listeners, Jason mm. Vander Twig, wanted to know, with San, D, with San Jose State returning basically their entire receiving core, is the potential there for the Spartans to have a top tier offense in the conference. And so I think that, you know, the caveat, which we mentioned last week and I'll mention it again, is, you know, you have to look at more than just the raw number to really get a sense of things Mm -hmm. because the two things that matter most in returning production are quarterback passing yards (laughs) of of which the Spartans are returning basically zero, zero percent, 1% maybe (laughs) and wide receiver slash tight end yards of which the Spartans are returning basically everything. Okay. And then, of course, offensive line career starts matter a little bit less, and then snaps returning, and then rushing yards matter the least. So, Which is good for them yeah. because they're losing senior running back, uh, what's his name, uh, John Packer. Yeah. Who had basically so, all the rushing yards. <laughs> so 49% may sound like a huge deal, 
But I mean, it, the question, I, mean, the, I think the short answer to the question is maybe, but it all kind of depends on how that quarterback situation shakes out. And I think that, you know, going back to what you mentioned a minute ago about transfer quarterbacks in general, based on the research that I, that I, that I did, which was, you know, to put it out there for those of you who didn't read the article, my definition, my definition of transfer quarterback was specifically about quarterbacks who had been at a major college FBS or FCS before. So not Juco so, transfer. Yeah. So not Juco transfers. And and I put a couple of examples out there like Jorge Reina from Fresno state last year. Mm-hmm. He was at, you know, East LA city college before that. So he wasn't at a major university. Neither was Josh Allen who went to Wyoming street Reedley college. Um, you know, so we're not focusing on those guys as much as we're focusing on guys who are at major programs you know, took the time to transfer, go through the portal, and then end up somewhere in the Mountain West. Like Marcus McMarion or Patrick O'Brien. Yes. So on the whole, you could say that, you know, just, you know, the following season line I put out there. So I'm just going to rattle off, rattle off a few of the major numbers real quick. So on average, transfer quarterbacks have played nine games in a season. They've completed 57.3% of their passes, which is, you know, it's fine. Yes, basically 7.1 yards per attempt, which is okay. Eight touchdowns, five interceptions, 126.3 passer rating. Yeah, you know, not not terrible. Sure. Because like we've seen some bad quarterback play, transfer or not. Oh, yeah. Um, but not exactly the kind of game changer that you would expect, or I think that a lot of fan bases expect when they get a big name from a program like that. And I think that, from the sample that I was able to derive, which, you know, going, and this only goes back to 2012. I should probably throw that out there as well. Mm-hmm. I counted 25 transfer quarterbacks who threw at least 25 passes in a season. By my rough count, I would say maybe nine of those are what you would deem as what I call like quote unquote success stories. Cause, you know, on the one hand, you have McMarion, who I consider to be at the very top. But, you know, even then in his first year, he was really, not to say hamstrung, but they didn't ask him to do that much. You know, it was more it was more about avoiding big mistakes than it was about making big plays. It wasn't really until 2018 that he really came into his own and the offense came into his own. Um, and in that same way, he's kind of similar to Maxwell Smith, who you might remember from 2015 at San Diego State. But, you know, even then, you know, he had a really bad September and then they didn't ask him to do that much. And then he tore his ACL at the mm. end of the year. So it wasn't actually him in the championship game. It was Christian Chapman right. who started by that point. Uh, and then before him, Ryan Katz had a, had a similar kind of arc where he he played pretty well. Um, but, you know, he tore his ACL, I think it was. Or excuse me, he broke his ankle uh, five games uh Excuse me, with five games left in 2012, I believe it was Adam Dingwell took down took over down the stretch. They ended up with a share of the Mountain West title, and then to a lesser extent, you know, you have guys at Boise State like Montel Cozart and Jalen Henderson. You know, you're talking about five guys who had at least some role, if not necessarily major roles. You know, they had a critical role in winning a conference title. Beyond those guys, you know, I threw. Cameron Kaufman at Wyoming in his lone year there, 2015. He, if you look at his stat line, he was fine. They just hadn't really become Wyoming just yet because the defense yeah. couldn't really stop anybody. Uh, Sean Schroeder at Hawaii in 2013 was a lot better in his first year than he, or in his second year than he was in his first year. Same kind of thing. They couldn't really stop anybody. And then at Colorado State, I would kind of throw KJ Carter Samuels and Patrick O'Brien in that same mix. Like they weren't elite per se but they were pretty good they had their moments and it wasn't necessarily their fault that the rams didn't really you know they didn't put as many w's up in the win column as you might have expected so quarterback so what what should we it's so after your research like so what do we expect from this guy then it's like what like going through like the like you went through a lot of guys who handful starts here and there throwing like a championship replacement due to injuries, what do we well, like? What's the mean, I guess, of like the baseline expectation, perhaps? 
I mean, it's very difficult to say. And I, and I know that we talked about this before, but, you know, I guess one advantage that, that Kevin McGiven and the Spartans are going to have is that maybe he doesn't necessarily have to shoulder 100% of the load right away. You know, again, they have Nick Nash coming back. They used him to very good effect, I would say. Um, in the time that he was under center, he provided a pretty good change of pace running option. So they could easily implement something like that. I don't necessarily know if they want to be as pass heavy as they were last year. Because Probably not. Because, you know, if you go back and look at what they did, they threw the ball, I, I want to say it was like 63, 64% of the time last year, which, you know, we think what we think about Hawaii being a really pass heavy team. They threw more than the Warriors did last oh, year. Oh boy. And some of that was the fact that as has been the issue for a few years now, they couldn't run the ball to save their life. True. But it also didn't hurt that Josh Love was good enough to really justify that pass heavy attack. So, you know, it's really hard to say one or the other whether Starkle is going to do the same thing. Because when you look at his previous tenure at two different stops, you kind of get conflicting stories. Like it wasn't necessarily that he was bad at Texas A&M. If you look at his overall stat line, I want to say he was had like 14 touchdowns and six interceptions, which is pretty good all things considered but also and, and maybe you can make this the argument that you know even though he, you know, he kind of lost his starting job at arkansas that that has less to do with him and more to do with the fact that the razorbacks were just basically a mess the entire time under chad morris um you know because they drove off like you know they drove off ben hicks who um, or they, excuse me, they drove off Ty Story, who then immediately came back and beat the Razorbacks, if I'm not mistaken, with Western Kentucky. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he's got the talent, I think, to make it happen. And it definitely doesn't hurt that he's got all those receiving options around him to make it happen. I mean, just at a glance, it seems like it should be a better situation than it was for him last year in Fayetteville. But again, it's kind of the big if as to how that's going to come together. So that's something that I'm very interested in following throughout spring ball as to how much work he gets right away or whether they kind of ease him into things, let some of the other younger guys in the rotation have a shot, um, whether they let Nick Nash try to flesh himself out as a passer, for instance, or whether they give some, one of their three-star recruits like Alex Trujillo a little more run. I don't know how that's going to shake out. But, uh, you know, if he can get back to the way he was playing back in 2017, hmm. then this could be a this could be a really good move for the Spartans, I think. So let's just say he exceeds expectations. Mm -hmm. Like they find a formula with Nick Nash back there every now and then. And this guy throwing the ball around to all the all Bailey Gates and everybody's coming back this year. Would the, would you be I, I'm answering our guys questions. Top of the conference, like let's just say Spartans. Where were they last year? Because uh, I should maybe have brought that up. Because the co comparison would be, were they were they a top offense last year in Mountain West? Would you say so? Uh, I would. Say, well, I mean, they were very one dimensional. So I just went totally. So, like, <laughs> so like obviously they were much better at throwing the ball than they were at uh, running it, which I think kind of bears out. In the fact that by yards per play in general, they finished uh, second. I got it right here. They finished, yeah, they finished second. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they were able to throw the ball really well. Um, I'm going to say no. I think they'll be maybe a tier below the top if things work out completely. Like if best case scenario, I would probably put them maybe third. Realistically, probably middle of the pack. I don't think they'll take a huge drop off to be like eighth or ninth, like going down to like five yards, five and a half yards per play, like being a, the Mexico or Wyoming range of offensive production. I'm thinking they get like six yards of play, which with what they're coming back for receiving wise, and I they'll take a step back for sure. I don't think they'll be better than last year. I think that's easy to say. I think they'll be middle of the pack, and six yards of play is probably it would be should be middle of the pack, and that'd be only point three less than last year per play. I mean, I think the number that I would look at when I start thinking about this is 8.2 yards per attempt. Okay. That's where Josh Love was last year. That's not easy to do. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I think if you can get to eight yards per throw, you're in pretty good shape. And I think if, if he can do that, 
then the Spartans are a bowl team easily, I think. Ooh, easily. Eight. It's all really they're gonna do a point one drop off. I don't think that's feasible. I mean, let's put it this way: like three quarterbacks last year, excuse me, four quarterbacks who had over a hundred pass attempts were able to crack eight yards per play. Donald Hammond, Josh Love, Cole McDonald, and Patrick O'Brien. Actually, I should throw Hank Bachmeyer in there. Excuse me. So five altogether. If he if he can be in that group, the Spartans are going to be in great shape. It's a big if. I think it's too big of an ask. I think seven five is probably where they'll be. I think it definitely helps that he has a lot of experienced people oh, in does. the system to throw to. And also, we don't know if, if he's even going to be the starter, right? What if it's Nick Nash? And again, you know, if you go back and look at what he did in 2017, mm-hmm. you know, he he completed you know he completed 60 percent of his passes, which is more or less right in line with what Bob did last year. And he threw for 8.7 yards per attempt. I think he has it in him with the right system around him. And I think that based on the jump that San Jose State took last year, you can be optimistic about it. But there's still a lot of work to be done to get him integrated into the system. See, I think I should listen to you on this because you were high on the Ast- or not Aztec, sorry, Spartans last year being quite good, much improved. So I, I was think... high on the on the offense being good. Well, I mean, it. and it's not like, yeah. like I said, it's not like they're starting over. I think finding answers in the running game are going to help too. Mm-hmm. But if they do decide to lead with the pass, which I guess I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Because, you know, you look around the conference, obviously San Diego State's still probably going to have a pretty good defense, especially defending the pass. But, you know, Fresno State's losing the other half of their really good secondary from a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Nevada's got a lot of young guys in their secondary. Uh, UNLV's starting over on defense. Hawaii's starting over on defense. So not, it wouldn't be a terrible idea to just, you know, if you've got a guy who can throw and you got guys who can catch it, just do a lot of that and see what happens. Well, so I, I tend to agree. Like, if they have all the receivers back, it's – I think they'll be okay getting into a bowl. We'll see because they – I guess they're only, what, one game away from last year, right? Yeah. And then looking at who they play this year, they uh, – let's see who can pull the schedule. Because they got their not – I know the schedule is usually pretty tough non-conference play just because money, like the USC thing, they're getting $3 million bucks to play USC now over going to Georgia – their non-conference schedule is not bad. UConn's late in the year or whatever, but at Central Michigan, maybe. The UC Davis and at Penn State will be tough, but they'll have chances. Like Central Michigan's a pretty good matchup week one for them. Mm. And could they win it? Possibly. So, But I think I tend to agree with you. I think I'm going to lean towards you since you've been right on them more often the past year or so. Well, to, uh, Okay, so to circle back to the original question, can they be a top-tier offense? Um, anybody can be, right? My, my, my original <laughs> answer was maybe... But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be more solid on February 23rd. I'm gonna say yes, they can be. I'm gonna say they'll be middle of the middle of the pack, tier two essentially. Okay. So we'll be a step back, but I guess it's hard to tell. Josh was gone. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the conference last year. He was the he was the offensive player of the year in the conference. Well, not by us, but just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but he was not. Yeah. But it's it's hard to replace any team replacing the best quarterback or best player, offensive player of the conference. How much? How are you going to be next year? And so, mm-hmm. what about their defense, really quick, as we wrap this up? Anything particular on that we need to get to? It's like just just be better. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, it helps that they're bringing back more on that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think that the big names that they're losing on that side of the ball are going to be tougher to replace, maybe than you know, because I don't think we can give them quite the same benefit of the doubt that we would with a team like the Aztecs, for instance. No, far from it. Come on. And so I think the fact that they're having to find pieces in, at the, in the linebacker core in particular, because, I mean, Jesse Ozuna couldn't always stay on the field for one reason or another. But when he was there, he was productive. And at least according to the, the, the most uh, recent depth chart that I have from last year and in looking at the, you know, the roster for 2020 so far, um, you know, his main backup is gone christian webb is also graduating and they have michael Pryor, a sophomore who could step up into that role um but again he's a sophomore and he had he didn't see that much playing time last year same thing with ethan aguayo who was kind of that frank kinda tackle machine kind of thing they've got pieces who could step in and replace him um but again it's a matter of those young guys i think this is really where the 
the, the recruiting that they've done over the last few years, that's one of those positions where it's going to have to pay dividends. Has to. And so yeah. I think this team, like, look at right now, should I'm going to make a – can I make a stupid early pick right now for this team? Yeah, why not? I'm going to say – and again, what day is it today? February 23rd, right? It is Sunday, February 23rd. We're just going to put this out there as often as we need to. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say eight win out, eight, eight win Spartans right now. No, that's, that's bold. I will go bold because they will beat Central Michigan. They'll beat UC Davis. They'll beat UConn. The West is a complete, not mess, but overhaul with coaches. I'm going to go bold and say they can win. Well, okay. I'll go seven wins. I need to temper back a little bit. Give me seven wins. Not I mean, eight. I mean, at a glance, I see them as being somewhat similar to to Air Force, which we talked about a minute ago. Where I think most of you know, most of the progress is going to hinge on the defensive side of the ball, because mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, they're replacing a couple of linebacker uh, pieces, uh, and they're replacing less on the defensive line. Like they're they're having to replace Celo Silatu and a couple of guys who were in the transfer portal, Demanuel Talawati uh, and Terrell Townsend. Both of those guys, I believe, I don't I don't remember if they've ended up anywhere yet, but I know there were in the portal at a minimum. But of the pieces that are coming back, like there's a lot of veterans up front, but they still got work to do, for instance, in generating a pass rush. Yeah, for sure. That's been another one of those hindrances. Um, and kind of like the Falcons, they're having to... Um, you know, find at least some answers on special teams. Like they're not having to replace everybody on special teams. Matt Mercurio is back as kicker, um, but they're bringing in another graduate transfer from Cornell, I believe, Nick Knoll, who you know seemed like he was all right in Ivy League play, but again, it kind of remains to be seen what kind of uh, impact he's going to make because Alex Gallon came in, <laughs> ironically enough, from another Ivy League school. <laughs> um, but kind of underwhelmed relative to a lot of other peers in the conference. So that's something else that I'm that I'm interested in keeping an eye on. I'll say this real quick about my prediction. Looking at who they where they play, we don't know when they play the mountain schedule's not out yet. I only see honestly two guaranteed losses in conference play. At Boise State and at San Diego State. But even Aztecs, they played them tough recently. They go to New Mexico, which could be fine. They go to Fresno, not saying guaranteed loss, but probably probably lost, but that's something where Fresno wasn't great last year. You know that, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a tough Air Force at home. They get Hawaii at home and Nevada. Like all the good teams, essentially, most of the good teams are coming to their place. They're bowl eligible teams. They're good teams. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Like, like serious, honestly, they could go three and one in non conference play, probably two and two. But if you're looking best case scenario, like three and one, they beat New Mexico four. They beat Nevada UNLV. Like, there's a chance if if the quarterback play gets in the mix and the defense steps up a touch. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've said this before, but I'm sure I'll say it again when we get to the team previews. If they're a little luckier than they were last year, because I think in one score games, they were ultimately three and three. You know, they lost by three to UNLV because they couldn't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, they lost by, you know, they lost by two to Hawaii because they just they literally could not buy a stop all night long. No and they lost on a last second field goal at Nevada. If they are just a touch luckier. Things could be much different this coming fall. All right, so I, I think they'll be touched better last. I think they're going to say bull team, but I'm going to say bull prediction seven wins right now. You said eight. Can't take that. I, I did. I know. I backtracked the seven <laughs> mid sentence. Come on. No, 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 no. Fine, I'll do it. Eight wins. No. Mark it down. Per- okay, yeah. Give me black ink. Permanent marker Just here. Think, of, think about how well it worked out for you with Air Force. Oh, that's right. I had ten Just wins. Put your, Just put your, put your stamp on it right now. Give it to me, eight win, eight and four Spartans going to the uh, some bowl game TBD. You heard it here first, folks. Heck yeah, jump on the Spartan bandwagon now while you can. All right, so I think, and I will welcome you aboard. Yes, I yes, I'm coming up after you, so I gotta remember that, Matt, because you were on a last year to be well <laughs> and do good. So that's all I got for this night, this evening, or daytime. Whenever you're listening to this, feeding the kid at two a.m. on the train or just driving to work, we appreciate it. Uh, check us out, mwr.com. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff, MWC Wire. Also, I think we're going to do it next week, Matt. We're going to do March, I, I said, March Badness next week. Yes. So I'll, I'll need to, you gave me the link last week. I didn't listen to it. We'll have, a, we'll reach out to a few other people to chat about the, what's the category again? It is the worst 
pop songs, I think, from like the 70s and 80s. Okay. All right. So we will tweet the link as well to listen to if you want to participate. Well, have they started voting yet on this this thing? It begins March 1st. So next Sunday is actually going to be really good timing. Oh, perfect. uh, Because it's a leap day next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. Leap year. Yeah, so you definitely want to brush up. If you want to check out the bracket before we start talking about it, you can go to marchxness.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-X-N-E-S-S. So to clarify, the voting is to get into the field of 64, or is that already set up? No, the field is already set. Okay, I thought they had some pre-voting. No. Okay, all right, so... I said it, so we'll talk about it next week. We'll see if we can get a few others to join. Just talk some music, and I will. Do, since we're on Spotify now, which I realize I got, I got to be careful how much music we can play. So, but it'll still be out there everywhere else we get a podcast. Anchor, um, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. We'll get it out there, but Spotify is a little tricky about that music rights. We can you know, we can we can sing badly and get people to use that fast forward button. Yeah, or what I do is use my, <laughs> I put my phone about a foot away from the my speaker. There you go. And play stuff that way. So we'll be back next week. We'll talk about that. Then we'll get back to football stuff. Um, for listening to this winner for Hoops Hour, we're going to talk some hoops um, this week as well. Sorry, Aztecs, but you're still in good shape. We'll talk about them in some podcast on the road. But, yeah, give us a review if you like it. Let us know. Tweet it out. And we'll see you next time, folks.